Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. At Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. And that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. Working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's the big $10 sale. So mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome everyone to Too Good to Be True. Thank you for taking the time to listen. The subject for today's show is poltergeist. Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it. We choose a subject and research it, and based on that research, we determine what we think needs to be explained by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The psychic insight is narrated towards the end of the show. Accepting the psychic insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subject that we discuss. We relate information we find through research and the psychic insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. The show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information that we miss. We want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We are only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time and history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter and shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We are not so good with pronouncing names. We apologize. And neither of us have any particular knowledge of ghost hunting or of psychiatry. If we have misstated anything, we apologize. Why didn't we think of this subject before now? We have talked about hauntings quite a bit, and this is a related subject. I don't know either, but why don't you get us started with a definition? The following is from Wikipedia. Quote, in folklore, a poltergeist, German for noisy ghost or noisy spirit, is a type of ghost or spirit that is responsible for physical disturbances such as loud noises and objects being moved or destroyed. They are purportedly capable of pinching, biting, hitting and tripping people. Most accounts of poltergeists describe the movement or levitation of objects such as furniture and cutlery or noises such as knocking on doors. They have traditionally been described as troublesome spirits who haunt a particular person instead of a specific location. Such alleged poltergeist manifestations have been reported in many cultures and countries, including the United States, India, Japan, Brazil, Australia, and most European nations. Early accounts date back to the first century, unquote. When you think of a poltergeist, you think of a tremendous nuisance. Is there more on how poltergeists can be disruptive? There's an alternative term to poltergeist, which doesn't include the idea that the observed phenomena are spiritual in nature. The term recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis, or RSPK, is used instead. The Psychic Science website lists observed phenomena for RSPK or for poltergeists as follows. Quote, throwing or bombardments of projectiles, for example, stones or small items, 
opening, closing, or banging of doors or windows, movements including levitation of domestic objects, for example, furniture, sounds of raps or cracking, imitative noises, for example, sound of crying baby or of barking dog, puddles, flooding, outbreaks of fire, pinching, scratching, or biting of skin, graffiti of writing, for example, on walls, electrical disturbances and mechanical failures, lights or luminous effects, unquote. Wasn't there a movie called Poltergeist? I am sure that Hollywood would have created more than enough special effects. There have been several movies, again from Wikipedia. Quote, Poltergeist is a 1982 American supernatural horror film directed by Toby Hooper and starring Joe Beth Williams, Craig T. Nelson and Beatrice Strait. Steven Spielberg wrote and produced the film, but a clause in his contract prevented him from directing another movie while he, while he made E.T., The Extraterrestrial. The article continues. The film's success helped spawn a franchise consisting of two sequels, Poltergeist 2, The Other Side, 1986, and Poltergeist 3, 1988, and a remake of the same name in 2015. What was the storyline from the 1982 movie? The following is from the Internet Movie Database. Quote, a young family are visited by ghosts in their home. At first, the ghosts appear friendly, moving objects around the house to the amusement of everyone. Then they turn nasty and started to terrorize the family before they kidnap the youngest daughter. The word kidnap is in quote marks. That sounds entertaining, but no, I don't think that ghosts can really kidnap anyone. Going back to the Wikipedia article in the first century, Roman scholar Titus Flavius Josephus provides an account. During an exorcism performed in 94 AD, when an unclean spirit was removed from an innocent individual, a bowl of water across the room was overturned by something or some force. That sounds a bit scary, but I'm pretty sure that a lot of exorcisms can be more scary than that. Do you have a more modern story to share? The website Listverse has an article from 2014 called 10 Terrifying Tales of Violent Poltergeist. Here is the account of the Greyfire Cemetery Poltergeist. The cemetery is in Edinburgh, the capital city of Scotland. Quote, Greyfire Cemetery in Edinburgh is home to a ghost with a terrible reputation. It's the location of the tomb of George Mackenzie, a 17th century Scottish lawyer. He was responsible for 18,000 opponents of King Charles II being put to death, which earned him the nickname of Bloody Mackenzie. Back in 1999, a homeless man broke into the tomb in order to find shelter from the cold. Then he climbed into the coffin and it all went wrong. The coffin crumbled all over the terrified man and he ended up running away, covered in the dust of the long dead man. This thoroughly terrified a dog walker who probably thought he was seeing a ghost but the real ghosts were yet to come. People soon started making claims about unusual activity around the tomb. The city council closed the cemetery to the public until local tour guide, Jan Andrew Henderson, set up an, an official ghost tour. Since then, 350 people claim to have been attacked by a poltergeist around the tomb. There have been stories of broken bones caused by the spirit and 170 people have passed out during the tour. There's another grave at Greyfriars that could well be the cause of the evil force. Harry Potter fans have been visiting the cemetery to lay messages beside the grave of a man named Thomas Riddell, the original name of Lord Voldemort. J.K. Rowling has said that the, graveyard, the grave may well have been a subconscious influence in her choice of name, or perhaps Thomas Riddell really was an evil wizard and Rowling knows more than she's letting on, unquote. J.K. Rowling used a different spelling for Tom Riddle's last name with one L instead of two. But J.K. Rowling did write most of the Harry Potter books while living in Edinburgh. Do you have a more typical poltergeist story to tell? There are so many stories about poltergeists, it's difficult to choose examples. Aren't some poltergeist stories associated with pre-teenage or teenage girls? The Wikipedia article mentioned that poltergeists haunt a person rather than a location. Yes, the term poltergeist agent is used. This is the family member who is the focus of the poltergeist activity. Here is more from the Psychic Science website. Quote, 
The poltergeist agent is usually a child, teenager, or young adult, most commonly a prepubescent or pubescent girl, 9 to 13 years. In many poltergeist cases, there are complex and emotionally conflicted family dynamics. Often the family has a strict authoritarian and punitive regime and may be strongly religious. One widely accepted theory is that poltergeist phenomena are a psychokinetic manifestation of the agent's intense repressed anger at another, more powerful family member who may directly or indirectly be the target of the activity. Often, however, the anger seems to be directed at the self so that the poltergeist agent becomes a victim. Despite the often dramatic and threatening nature of poltergeist manifestations, people who experience or are targeted by them are very rarely seriously hurt by the phenomena. Any physical harm is usually restricted to scratches, minor cuts or small bruises, sometimes as a result of being hit by projectiles." Unquote. What causes poltergeist or RSPK activity to begin? Again from the same article. Quote, poltergeist cases usually break out suddenly, often triggered by a traumatic event or new or a new source of emotional stress. Most outbreaks do not last for more than a few weeks or months and usually end abruptly. Some notable cases, however, have continued for several years. Often the activity dies down or ceases when there is a significant change in individual or family circumstances. For example, moving house, switching schools or a change in the household's membership. Individual and family counselling or psychotherapy can also help in bringing the outbreak to an end." Unquote. And do you have an example that fits the typical scenario? There is the Enfield poltergeist, another story from the British Isles, but it isn't clear how, what started it all. Here's part of an article from 2012 from the CSI COP website. Quote, in August 1977, a series of disturbances that were soon characterized as a case of poltergeist phenomena or even demonic possession began in Enfield, a northern suburb of London. The subject of a forthcoming movie, the occurrences included the actions of an 11-year-old girl who repeatedly levitated above her bed, held the nation's spell van for over a year, according to Britain's Daily Mail. No explanation other than the paranormal has ever been convincingly put forward, unquote. I think we need to go into a break, Justina. Yes, we'll continue discussing this story plus other information about poltergeists after this short break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. a skeptic or a believer join me rob mcconnell as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the exxon radio tv show on xzbn and the exxon tv channel on simul tv since 1990 the exxon radio tv show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard together we'll investigate ufos aliens ghosts bigfoot psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035 
extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxonradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. It's too good to be true. And before the break, we're discussing the Enfield poltergeist story that supposedly a girl was levitating. So, Dad, can you please continue with the story? Sure. The pictures of the girl levitating that are all over the Internet could have been staged by the girl jumping. She is not shown levitating horizontally on her back. The reaction to the off-the-ground off 11-year-old from the other children around in different photographs appears a little theatrical. So I'm a little skeptical. Was the movie ever made? There was a movie made in 2008 and a miniseries made in 2015, both British productions. The story was the basis of the Hollywood movie, The Conjuring 2, made in 2016. But was the story really a hoax? An article from the Australian news website published in 2016 described some of Margaret and Janet Hodgson's involvement in making of the movie The Conjuring 2. Margaret and Janet were the two girls that were the objects of the alleged poltergeist attention. So it was two sisters and not just one girl. That appears to be the case. Here's part of the Australian news website article. Quote, As part of research for the new film, Margaret and Janet Hodgson were taken back to their old London council house to relieve their version of events. Janet, who was 11 at the time, seemed to be the focus of the activity and photographs appearing to show her being flung up through the air by unseen forces generated fascination and panic in equal measure. Margaret 13 was affected to a lesser extent, but was also photographed being propelled through the air with Janet. The unexplained activity lasted for 18 long months and included furniture moving by itself, oven gloves bursting into flames, toys and rocks being thrown, demonic voices and even levitating children. Many people at the time consider the whole thing to be a hoax, but a proliferation of recordings and independent witness accounts meant that nobody has been able to entirely debunk the girl's story, unquote. A council house is a home owned by a local town or city that is rented out to a tenant. Were there any sound recordings made? Yes, there were. The article continues, quote, there are chilling recordings of Janet, who is naturally high-pitched, suddenly and inexplicably starting to speak with a gruff and clearly male voice. Just before I died, I went blind and I had a hemorrhage and died in a chair, the voice said on one occasion early on in the haunting. Investigators for the Society for Psychical Research, SPR, concluded that John, Janet was channeling the malevolent spirit of the previous occupant, Bill Wilkins, whose son was able to confirm the details of the death. Peggy Hodgson, a single mother of four children, Janet and Margaret, had two brothers, Johnny 10 and Billy 7, had contacted the society in desperation after visits by the police and the priest proved fruitless. 
They also contacted tabloid newspaper, The Mirror, whose photographer, Graham Morris, captured the famous series of pictures showing Janet being flung across rooms and appearing to levitate. Most of the images were captured by a fixed camera, which took pictures every 15 seconds. In an interview with the BBC in 2011, Morris said he believed both sisters were genuinely possessed at the time. You had to see it to believe it, he said. They were petrified. They were so frightened, unquote. Peggy Hogson is obviously convinced of the presence of paranormal entity. What did either of the girls have to say? It was almost 40 years later when the movie The Conjuring 2 was made. Yes, the news website article continues with comments from Janet Hodgson, who appeared to be the prime target or agent. Quote, in a 2012 interview with ITV, Janet was asked to describe how she felt when Bill's spirit was speaking through her. When the voice of Bill Wilkins came out of my mouth, it felt like it was coming from behind me rather than from within me, she said. At one point, SP researcher Morris Gross taped my mouth up and filled it with water and the voice still came out. Those who witnessed Janet speaking Wilkins' voice claimed she managed to do with her lips barely moving. Skeptics claimed that the girl deliberately manipulated her voice, but a speech therapist claimed it would have been virtually impossible for Janet to maintain such a charade for 18 months without hurting or damaging her throat. Other witnesses say they saw floating objects in the home and heard strange knocking noises. Morris said he was struck in the head by a piece of Lego during one visit to the house. Though just a tiny piece of plastic, the object struck his face with enough force to leave a bump. Unquote. ITV are a broadcasting network in the United Kingdom. Was the voice of the apparent ghost or poltergeist Bill Wilkins recorded? The voice of Bill Wilkins can be heard on the BBC website. A Radio 4 programme called The Reunion, The Enfield Poltergeist, was made in April of this year, where witnesses were reunited. Janet and Margaret Hodgson didn't participate. Interestingly, the witnesses featured in the programme are looking for a scientific rather than paranormal explanation. Visits by the police were mentioned earlier. If someone was trying to pull a hoax, involving the police would seem to be a really dumb idea. Contacting the police sounds like an act of desperation with no one else to turn to. I am sure no one from the house in Enfield was charged with anything. Nobody was arrested, but the news website continues the article with a description of a police officer observing some strange events. Quote, Police Constable Carolyn Heaps made an extraordinary statement about what she witnessed in the house. I heard four distinct taps on the wall and then silence, she wrote. Then about two minutes later, I heard some. I heard more tapping from a different wall. Another PC checked the walls, the attic and the pipes, but could find nothing to explain the knocking. Then the eldest son of the family pointed to a chair near the sofa. I then saw the chair slide across the floor. It moved approximately three to four feet and then came to rest. I checked the chair and I could find nothing to explain how it moved. Police told the Hodgsons that they were unable to help because there was no evidence of any crime having had been committed. Skepticism has always swirled around the Enfield haunting, and Janet later admitted she faked about 2% of the phenomena. You get bored and frustrated at all the people coming and going, she told the UK Telegraph in 2012. Unquote. The UK Telegraph is a British national newspaper. So some small percentage was fake. But what brought it all to an end? The story has one or two twists yet. The website Psy Encyclopedia explains later events in an article from 2015. The website also explains that there was much more paranormal activity than we have mentioned. For example, small fires started and went out on their own without causing damage. Metal spoons were bent and footsteps were heard with no one around. But the article mentions a 2011 interview with the London Daily Mail during which Janet provided some interesting information. Quote, Janet, now age 45, mentioned having been bullied at school as a result of the incidents, being nicknamed Ghost Girl. She also mentioned having played with a Ouija board before the trouble flared up. She said she had been unaware that she went into trances until shown the photographs, unquote. Did any psychics or mediums try to help? The Science Encyclopedia provides details of several mediums that tried to help but the following from the same Psy Encyclopedia article suggests that the activity has ceased. Quote, 
After Peggy Hodgson died, the house was briefly occupied by mother of four, Claire Bennett, who stated, I don't see anything, but I feel uncomfortable. There was definitely some kind of presence in the house. I always felt like someone was looking at me. Her sons would wake, up, wake in the night hearing people talking downstairs. Bennett then found out about the house's history. Suddenly it all made sense, she said. The family moved out after just two months. The house is currently occupied by another family who do not wish to be identified. The mother says, I've got children. They don't know about it. I don't want to scare them, unquote. Peggy Hodgson died in 2003, but the same article indicates that Steven Spielberg's 1982 movie Poltergeist, which we had mentioned earlier, was based on a documented haunting in England, which was probably the Enfield Poltergeist. Do you have a Poltergeist story from the United States, preferably without a Ouija board involved? Yes, we have to discuss the Bell Witch Poltergeist with the story being set in a time well before Ouija boards were mass-produced. Here is the introduction to the story from the website Imagine Spirit. Quote, The Bellwitch story is one of the most chilling and documented accounts of a poltergeist haunting of a family in early America. In the early 1800s, a family by the name of Bell moved to the Red River bottomland in Robertson County, Tennessee. They settled in a community that later became known as Adams. It is there they prospered and became respected members of the community and pillars of the local church. One day in 1817, John Bell and his oldest son were out hunting when they encountered a strange-looking animal. Shocked by the appearance of the thing, which they reported to have the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit, this sounds like an elemental, Bell shot at it several times to no avail. The animal just vanished and John Bell thought nothing more about the incident, at least not until after dinner. That evening, the bells began hearing beating sounds on the outside walls of their house. These mysterious sounds continued with increased force each night. Unquote. In 2010, the population of Adams was 633, occupying an area of 2.5 square miles or 6.5 square kilometers. And elemental is a name given to a paranormal entity. So strange events began to happen in a small rural community. Was any one person or agent targeted in particular? One individual, then another, again from the Imagined Spirit website. I think we'll have to continue with the quote after the break. Yes, after this short break, we'll continue discussing the Bell Witch Poltergeist and then later getting into the questions and the psychic insight. But you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. You have heard of the Exxon? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. 
Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute... Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. ...of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, After the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Before the break, we were discussing the Bell Witch Poltergeist. So, Dad, we were discussing if there was one person targeted. Can you continue with this? Yes, I will. I'll continue with a quote from the Imagined Spirit website. Quote, as time went on, the bells began to hear more strange noises. Only this time they sounded like faint, whispering voices. Too weak to understand, but it sounded like a feeble old woman crying or singing hymns. The encounters escalated, and the bell's youngest daughter, Betsy, began experiencing physically brutal encounters with the entity. Eventually, the wrath of the poltergeist settled on John Bell, and the witch severely physically assaulted him for two years, unquote. What happened to John Bell? Severe physical assault for two days, let alone two years, would be enough to destroy a person. Again from the same article, quote, On the morning of December 20th, 1820, after a long battle with a strange disease which swelled the tongue and caused trouble eating, John Bell breathed his last breath. As family and friends began to leave John Bell's burial site, the spirit laughed loudly and sang a cheerful song about a bottle of brandy. Did John Bell actually die from the Bell Witch's horrible torment? We'll never know. It is documented, however, that the poltergeist phenomena was so strong and witnessed by so many people, including future President Andrew Jackson, it's hard to believe a living person could have created a hoax, unquote. Was that the end of the story? No, it got weirder still, again from the same source. Quote, 
In April of 1921, the spirit visited Lucy Bell and told her that it would return in seven years for a visit. Seven years later, in 1828, the spirit returned as promised. Moses' visits, visit centered on John Bell Jr. The spirit discussed with him such things as the origin of life, Christianity, the need for mass spiritual reawakening, and other in-depth topics. Of particular significance were the spirit's prediction of the Civil War, World War One, Great Depression, and World War Two. After three weeks, the spirit bade farewell, promising to visit John Bell's most direct descendant in 107 years. The year would have been 1935, and the closest direct living descendant of John Bell was Charles Bailey Bell, a physician in Nashville. Charles Bailey Bell himself wrote a book about the Bell Witch, but it had been published prior to 1935. No follow-up book was ever released, and, the Bell, and Bell died some years later in 1945, unquote. So by 1945, the story had ended. Is that right? Not really. There is still some strange activity. The article again continues, quote, Today the spirit which haunted the Bell family nearly 200 years ago is believed by many to be the source of numerous manifestations in the area where the story took place. Some believe that when the spirit returned in 1935, it took residence in Adams, Tennessee, once part of the Bell farm. The faint sounds of people talking and children playing can sometimes be heard in the area. It is also challenging to take a good picture there, unquote. So it sounds like the entity or its energy is still around. Is there anything else we should know about the story? Yes, the Imagined Spirit article has a postscript as follows, quote, postscript. Some have speculated that John Bell had molested his young daughter and that Lucy Bell instigated the Bell Witch story and concocted it to mass poisoning him for revenge. It also been theorized that she and Betsy were masquerading as the spirits. However, Betsy was so physically battered by the witch or demon, it's difficult to give credence to this theory or that Betsy Bell was involved in any way masquerading as a witch, unquote. None of that explains the creature with the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit that John Bell shot his gun at. Were any movies, any movies made out from the story? The movie An American Haunting, made in 2005, is based on the story. Earlier, the very successful 1999 movie The Blair Witch Project was apparently inspired the events at the Bell family home. I think it's time for the first question. Is a poltergeist a troublesome spirit or ghost which haunts a particular person instead of a specific location? That could be said. Have poltergeist manifestations incurred in many cultures and countries, including the United States, India, Japan, Brazil, Australia, and most European nations? Yes, and others. Are there any cultures that are free of poltergeists? No. Do typical poltergeist phenomena include the following? Movement, including levitation of domestic objects, for example, furniture, puddles, flooding, outbreaks of fire, pinching, scratching, or biting of skin, graffiti or writing, for example, on walls, or electrical disturbances and mechanical failures? Yes, all of those can occur. Can anything else occur? Yes, sometimes other injuries and sometimes objects will actually fully disappear. As reported by Titus Flavius Josephus during an exorcism performed in 94 AD, was an unclean spirit removed from an innocent individual? Yes. Did a bowl of water across the room overturn by the influence of something or some force? Yes. Is Greyfire Cemetery in Edinburgh, Scotland, home to the ghost of George Mackenzie? Yes. In 1999, did a homeless man break into George Mackenzie's tomb in order to find shelter from the cold and then climb into a coffin? Yes, and also disturb some of the items. Were the objects associated with the remains of George Mackenzie having been placed in the coffin? Yes. Did the coffin crumble over the terrified man? Yes. Did the man run away covered in the dust of the long dead George Mackenzie? Yes, he did. What was the unusual activity around the tomb that followed? The disturbance of the ghost, since the ghost just wanted to be left alone. So the ghost did what it did because it did not want to be disturbed. Yes, and wanted to rest in peace, basically, so did not want their coffin disturbed. Why did the ghost hang around its coffin? Because it did not realize that it was fully dead, 
So again, it was trapped between the spiritual and physical world, and he didn't fully realize that he was dead. Did the grave of Thomas Riddell in the same graveyard have any influence on the unusual activity? No. Was the name Thomas Riddell the basis for using the name Tom Riddle in the Harry Potter books? Yes. Is there such a person as a poltergeist agent? Some would say yes, but it depends on the context. Why is a poltergeist agent typically a 9 to 13 year old girl? Just because of the energy they usually give off. The more innocent female energy is something attractive, you could say. Is there in many poltergeist, poltergeist cases complex and emotionally conflicted family dynamics? Yes. Is there any truth in the widely accepted theory that poltergeist phenomena are a psychokinetic manifestation of the agent's intense repressed anger at another more powerful family member? So this is where it gets tricky, since in some cases there's not really a poltergeist. So it can be a family member who is acting out or acting up. But however, in other circumstances, there's actually a poltergeist present. So that's the issue. Sometimes the family member is responsible, while other times it's not actually their fault. With no poltergeist, is the family member conscious of what they are doing? In regards to when they're actually acting up? Yes, is the family member acting up conscious or subconscious through some type of energy? Sometimes yes and sometimes no. So yes, sometimes it's on a subconscious level where something bad occurred to them and they're acting out and they don't realize that they're actually doing it. But in other cases, no. They have some type of idea that they're actually acting out. So again, it's very individualized. But when a poltergeist is present, usually the person has no idea that it is affecting them until much later. Does it often occur that the anger is self-directed such that the poltergeist agent becomes a victim? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But usually if the person is the victim, it would be done on a subconscious level. Is it understood that a human can act up in a paranormal-like manner? It's all energy. So again, sometimes it is a poltergeist. So sometimes it is another entity. But basically it goes back to that everything is energy and things can be shifted via energy. So it's really just the person without actually knowing they're affecting the energy. Are people who experience or are targeted by poltergeists really seriously hurt by the phenomena? Yes, that's correct. Usually it's more non-harmful ways. But in certain cases, yes, it can lead to physical harm when things get really, really bad. But in most cases, it's just smaller things that will not actually harm anyone. Do poltergeist cases usually break out suddenly, often triggered by a traumatic event or new source of emotional stress? In most cases, yes. Why do most outbreaks last only for a few mo few weeks or months and usually end abruptly? Because of the changes in emotions. So once there's some control over these emotions, there's not really that charge energy for the poltergeist to feed off of. What causes an outbreak to occur for several years? Usually when there's fear involved. So fear is basically a trigger and the fear of the unknown makes it last longer. Does the activity die down when there is a significant change in individual or family circumstances? It could, yes. Does an individual and does individual and family counselling or psychotherapy help in bringing an outbreak to an end? Yes. In August of 1977, did poltergeist phenomena begin in the house in Enfield, a northern suburb of London? Yes. Did an 11-year-old girl named Janet repeatedly levitate above her bed? Yes. Did a 13-year-old ne girl named Margaret also levitate? Unfortunately, yes. I think before we could go on to the next question, we have to have a break. So can you take us into the break, Justina? Yes. After the break, we'll continue with the questions and the psychic insight. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simultv, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simultv. Simultv offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. too good to be true before the break we're going through the questions and the psychic insight about poltergeists so dad can you please continue with the questions yes we were discussing the enfield poltergeist so here's the next question did furniture move by itself and oven gloves burst into flames yes were toys and rocks thrown in the air and demonic voices heard yes did an entity talk through janet unfortunately again yes Sometime before, did a male person go blind and hemorrhage before dying in a chair? Yes. Did that happen in the same home as that of the children, Janet and Margaret? Yes, it did, but it wasn't completely related. Why wasn't it completely related? The person had some health issues that helped trigger the situation. Was the person who died named Bill Wilkins? Yes. Was photographer Graham Morris struck in the head by a piece of Lego during one visit to the house? Yes. Was the voice of Will, Bill Wilkins external to Janet rather than internal via her vocal cords? Correct, yes. Did police constable Carolyn Heaps see a chair slide across the floor about four feet or about 1.2 metres? Yes. Did Janet use a Ouija board before the trouble flared up? Yes. Was the use of the Ouija board a trigger in this instance? Yes, it opened up basically a door where an entity could come through. If a Ouija board had not been used, would nothing have occurred? Not the weird things, no. 
Are Ouija boards a factor in preteen or teenage girls having poltergeist-like experiences? It's two factors at play since teenagers are more likely to use Ouija boards because of their curiosity. So the most number of people usually using them are teenagers. And also because teenage girls like to play different games that scare them. But overall, yes, it is a factor. Was the ghost of Bill Wilkins behind all the strange paranormal experiences over the 18 months in the house in Enfield? No, there was another entity too. Can you say anything about the other entity? So Bill Wilkins was a ghost, meaning that he didn't really have the necessary energy. You could put it to make objects move physically. So there was another negative entity that was responsible for the moving of objects and scary experiences. So did the ghost of Bill Wilkins and the entity become active via the Ouija board? Yes. So the other entity, not the ghost of Bill Wilkins, was the poltergeist? Yes. Why did the entity reveal itself as a poltergeist rather than a ghost? Are you asking why the entity didn't just pretend to be a ghost? I'm getting at what the poltergeist actually was. If not a ghost, the entity may have been something that hadn't had a human life. Correct. So the entity was a negative entity that was not a ghost. So it did not have a physical human body and did not die on the physical earth plane. Is a true paranormal poltergeist normally a negative entity rather than a ghost? It can be a ghost. So in some situations, it will be a ghost. But usually when there are more extreme things like trying to injure people, strange voices, etc., it's usually something worse. So negative entity, not a ghost. So ghosts might just do tricks such as maybe move an object from one place to another, but would not usually move objects right in front of people, make strange voices, or try to injure someone. Why did the paranormal activity cease when it did? The entity moved on, so basically the energy was not something it could feed off of anymore. Why did the next tenant in the house in Enfield feel like she was being watched? Because the ghost remained there. Was anyone in the household in Enfield an agent of the poltergeist? Yes and no. Again, the agents of a poltergeist are something that is not completely clear, but it could be said that it was more attached to some than others, yes. Why did the ghost of Bill Wilkins do what it did? It wanted attention and was confused to where it was. Changing the subject to the Bell Witch Poltergeist, in, 18, in 1817, did John Bell and his oldest son encounter a strange-looking animal with the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit? Yes. Was the creature an elemental or paranormal entity? Yes. Can you say anything about the creature? It was not a good creature. It was a very negative creature. Did John Bell shoot at it several times with a strange creature just vanishing? Yes. Why did the paranormal creature just show up? This is very unfortunate, but it was looking for some physical beings to bother, basically. So it wasn't a physical creature, but more of a spiritual creature, where it wanted to scare people and feed off of their fear. Later that day in the evening, did the Bell family begin, begin hearing beating sounds on the outside walls of their house? Yes. Did the mysterious sound continue with increased loudness each night? Yes. As time went on, did the Bell family begin to hear more strange noises, sounding like a feeble old woman crying or singing hymns? Yes. Did the encounters escalate with the Bell's youngest daughter, Betsy, experiencing physically brutal encounters with the entity? Unfortunately, yes. Did the wrath of the poltergeist eventually settle on John Bell, severely physically assaulting him for two years. Yes. On the morning of December the 20th, 1820, after a long battle with a strange disease which swelled the tongue and caused trouble eating, did John Bell breathe his last breath? Yes. Did John Bell die of a normal human disease or something caused by the entity? Basically both. So he did have a disease, but the entity tried to amplify the process of the disease. So he would have died from it eventually, but the entity tried to, you could say, amplify it so the death would be sooner than expected. As family and friends began to leave John Bell's burial site, did the spirit laugh loudly and sing a cheerful song about a bottle of brandy? Yes. Was the poltergeist phenomena witnessed by many people, including future President Andrew Jackson? Yes, many people saw it since it was so unusual. 
In April of 1821, did the poltergeist called the Bell Witch visit Lucy Bell, tell her that it would return in seven years? Yes, trying to scare her. Did the poltergeist return seven years later, visiting John Bell Jr., discussing various subjects? I tried to contact him, yes. Did those subjects include the origin of life, Christianity, the need for a mass spiritual reawakening, and predictions of the Civil War, World War One, the Great Depression, and World War Two? Not exactly, no. The stories of what the poltergeist said are very embellished. After three weeks, did the poltergeist go to Bell Witch, say farewell, and promise to visit John Bell's most direct descendant in 107 years? Yes, again, to cause fear and the fear of the unknown. Was there a follow-up visit in 1935 to the closest direct living descendant, Charles Bailey Bell? It tried, yes. Is the poltergeist called the Bell Witch still manifesting itself near the site of the Bell family farm? It keeps trying, yes, but it needs energy to be able to manifest itself. Has it used up its energy with its activities over the years? Yes, lots of energy. Today are faint sounds of people talking and children playing sometimes heard in the area. Yes, but that's also not always caused by the poltergeist, but also by imprinting. Is it difficult to take good photographs in the area? Yes, but again, there's multiple factors, not just the poltergeist, but also the energy from previous times and so much happened in the area. So it's not just one factor. In 1820, was a member of the Bell family acting as the, as the agent of the poltergeist? That could be said in this case, yes. Were any of the Bell family's children abused around the year 1820? No. Why did the poltergeist called the Bell Witch do what it did? It wanted to feed off the fear and wanted to scare the family to the point where there was so much fear since that what it, that's what it lives and survives off of. Is it because less people is it because the less people fear it now, it has less energy? Yes, and also the family is no longer there, so usually the poltergeist aims for one certain family member. And after you could say finish with the family, it has nothing else to really survive off of. What can we learn from the general subject of poltergeist? Number one, again, as previously stated, Ouija boards are something not to be messed with and are sometimes open doors that are very difficult to close. And number two is that the fear is one of those emotions that is very difficult to handle. But when the unknown is happening, almost the worst thing someone can do is fear it. So sometimes trying to find a logical explanation and actually laughing it off and being positive about it will actually help. So the fear is something that's very hard for a lot of people to overcome. But in many different cases, it's actually better to either make a joke about it or be positive about it, since positivity is basically the best thing, especially in these cases. That was the last answer. Assuming that a spirit or ghost is manifesting as a poltergeist, is removing their energy by not fearing them, too good to be true? That depends on what you are prepared to believe. Well, there are both paranormal and scientific explanations for different uh, poltergeist phenomena. So I thought it was fascinating that uh, there could be not only ghost spirits, but humans uh, acting to to create poltergeist activity. I think my biggest takeaway from the whole entire episode was that if something weird is happening, to kind of just laugh it off. I thought that was an interesting comment, since usually our first reaction when we hear a weird noise or see something move is to actually get scared. So I think that's kind of something positive to do is just laugh about and be like, oh, weird, we just heard a weird noise, or oh, weird, something just moved. So that was my biggest takeaway. Okay, I think we're running out of time. I think you should just mention the Facebook page, the website, and uh, request new ideas. Yes. So, as always, we would love to hear from the listeners. You can go to our Facebook page at Too Good To Be True, with the first two spelled T-W-O, or our website at TooGoodToBeTrue.net. And, as always, thank you so much to the listeners, and we look forward to next week's show. Thank you.